morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. This is a big one here. It's 2 Samuel chapter 12. So we, we kind of jumped ahead a little bit. We were looking at uh, Psalms 142 and Review and 143 yesterday, um, seeing how this, uh, well, basically we're kind of looking at the fallout of the, the whole incident um, with uh, David stealing Uriah's wife and having him murdered in the process. Uh, today, though, we're going back into this story uh, before all those things happen, and this is where David is confronted with his sin. He thinks he's gotten away with it. Uh, we saw in the last chapter, you know, he, he's, he seemingly seems to, uh, you know, just, just hide the whole thing, right? But it says there at the end of chapter 11, but it did not please God. God saw what he was doing, and the prophet has some words for him. Very, very key moment. Think uh, as Lutheran, it's a key moment for uh, seeing law and gospel in action in terms of how a person representing God can speak law and gospel. Um, there's some harsh stuff we're going to have to deal with today. Uh, harsh words for, for David, but well, it's, uh, it's going to be a good conversation, I think. We've got joining us today, we've got our guest, Pastor Mark Jasa, pastor at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back. Happy Election Day, and uh, what a chapter, huh? <laughs> yeah, what a chapter. Great being back with you, and uh, what, a, what a nice way to get, get away from all the politics for a minute here, huh? Well, yeah, that's interesting you say that, because, I mean, I, I feel like in some ways, um, I don't know, I mean, like, I, I think I, that's probably always true, that when I look at a chapter, I can see lots of hooks and, and connections to whatever's going on, but, mm. I mean, just, just thinking about this situation where, where the prophet Nathan is calling out David for his hypocrisy and his abuse of power, mm. I feel like that sort of pertains a lot to what's <laughs> what's going on in our country right now too you know something that uh i don't know if, if it's okay to jump in here on, on this but the the joab is just dragged in at the very beginning so i'm like i know this is chapter 11 but you know we still see joab here in chapter 12 i i kind of feel bad for the guy because it's kind of hard to say no to your king, and he's the oh, yeah. one who does the dir the dirty deeds. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No. So. That, yeah, that's that's a good point too. I mean, like you know, even if uh, yeah, no, because I mean, you know, D David's the king, right? And so, like, we we might you know think to ourselves like, well, I mean, you know, may maybe the king is being a hypocrite, right? You know, we we, we point our fingers at our like high ranking officials, but um, like you were saying, you know, uh, many of us are. Joabs in different ways, where we're just trying to, you know, yeah, maintain our careers, you know, not, uh, you know, anger anybody powerful, you know, and we end up becoming complicit in uh, on all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, there's plenty of blame to go around uh, at the end of the day, but yeah, no, good, good, good to have you back, and uh, I'm looking forward to just, uh. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what we might end up talking about. There's a lot of different ways this could go down. <laughs> but, but uh, well, this is a great before, chapter. This is just yeah, fantastic. So yeah, well, I'm ready for uh, whatever. <laughs> all right, all right, sounds good. Uh, well, let's go ahead and, and make sure we're really ready for whatever. Would you start us off with a prayer? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, and your word does point out our sin, and also it demonstrates who our Savior is, that Jesus is our Savior, that he has saved us. We thank you that now we rest in your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I I think that uh, the challenge for us will be to see how this really is, like you were saying, uh, a chapter of forgiveness and mercy and grace and pointing to the atonement of Christ. Um, because I think that when we look when we look at the chapter, we're just like, oh man, this is this is harsh. But uh, you know, I mean, the grace and the mercy, it really, it really is there. And and I, and I think that part of the maybe maybe the way we'll have to try to look at it is to understand how how much worse it really should have been in some ways. But, uh, but without jumping the gun there, um, and anything context-wise we uh, should review before we go ahead and give it a read through. You mentioned Joab, right? Because we remember, so you know, he, he in order to get um, Uriah's wife, right? Like he, uh, well, well, I mean, first of all, like they're out away fighting, right? So he's he's back, um, you know, in Jerusalem by himself able to do these sorts of things but then like you were saying he has joab actually go and put uriah in the spot where he ends up dying um so that that's how joab gets involved and then uh we were just looking at that last verse in verse uh in chapter 11 the thing that david had done displeased the lord um anything maybe maybe remind us of who nathan is or what, when was the last time we saw him well okay so the, the the setup for last the the uh, last chapter, it, you've got this descent into yeah. sin, which kind of reminds me of like uh, Psalm one, where you uh, where you have this descending, um, you you have this um, progression. Same thing with the the way the book of Jonah starts. Jonah keeps descending. He goes down to the uh, port then he goes down into the ship then he goes down into the fish he keeps going down and that's what we see david david just keeps going down and down and down and uh then uh in uh verse uh, chapter 12 you've got um uh, I, i i think david is kind of like uh me when i was a kid and i would do something wrong and I yeah. didn't know how much my mom knew. And she would come up and she would say, so what did you do wrong? And I'd say, well, I did this. And she'd say, and what else? And I'd be like, uh-oh, what else does she know? So I feel like that's uh, how uh, Nathan, the pr- uh, prophet, who has special uh, knowledge from God about the yeah. situation here, is yeah. coming, uh, coming to David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I think I, I like that because actually, so in our conversation with uh, Pastor Parvis yesterday on Psalm 143, we're talking about that father or parent child relationship. Um, and, and we were seeing how, in a lot of ways, that's how, that how, that's how the prophets sort of work with the kings, that um, as Samuel was to. Uh, to Saul, and then now how Nathan is to David. They they are sort of like a, they're spiritual fathers, right? To to the kings, um, correcting them, teaching them, guiding them, um, and and calling them out um, when when they've done wrong. And so the the last time we saw it, uh, Nathan was 
with regard to David's plan to build uh, a temple, right, back in chapter 7. And, and uh, Nathan initially was like, you know, go, go on ahead, you know, do, do your thing, you know, like God seems to be blessing mm-hmm. whatever you, you know, decide. Whatever you, but then God gives him that, that message in the evening and says, no, it's not going to happen like that. So this is now, uh, yeah, again, an instance where um, God is having to use Nathan to say, hang on, David, um, not, not so fast, right? And, uh, and putting the brakes on things. Um, I, I like what you're saying, too, about, about the, the descent. Uh, one of is uh, interesting, uh, an explanation that I, I was sent on, on Facebook was kind of how you could see in some ways how, like, David almost, like, commits, like, you know, or breaks, like, every one of the Ten Commandments in the process of stealing Uriah's wife. Um, and, and, and you can kind of, like, just look at it, how it's just, it just keeps compounding, right? It's like, you know, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, you know, by the time he's done covering it up, it's, you know, he's broken, you know, like half the, you know, the other commandments that he hadn't broken, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, so these are, uh, no, no, some good context here for us. Well, it's, uh, I also like, oh, sorry, go ahead, go. Go ahead. I just, I like the way that, you know, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And to, uh, so in here, when people are often discussing, I, I hear people talking about what, what is the sin? What is the sin of David here? Well, we don't yeah. have to wonder because Nathan, God, through Nathan, comes out and says exactly in a very succinct way what that is. And it's the first commandment. Uh, you, he, he becomes a, a God hater. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we're going to get to that, I guess. In yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's good. No, he, <clears throat> he gets to the heart of the matter. So... Let's go ahead and give this a read-through then. So this is 2 Samuel chapter 12 here in the English Standard Version. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah, and if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore... The sword shall never depart from your house, 
because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. And the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted, and went in and lay all night on the ground, and the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he didn't listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child's dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house, and when he, when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child might live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went in to her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and took the royal city, and Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah, moreover I've taken the city of waters. Now then, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. And he took the crown of their king from his head, and the weight of it was a talent of gold, and in it was a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city, a very great amount. And he brought out the people who were in it, and set them to labor with saws and iron picks and iron axes, and made them toil at the brick kilns. And thus he did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. All right. Heavy chapter. Um uh, yeah, def definitely. And there's there's a, there's a lot of things um, that we that we could talk about here. But I think um, I, I think that overall the, the the thing that 
maybe is most disturbing to me, and I think it probably for a lot of people, is how David messes up, right? David commits the sin, and yet it's the seven-day-old child that dies, right? Which just seems, um, I mean, it, it, it can seem cruel uh, to us. And, and in fact, in some ways, it, it kind of, I think it's almost magnified because of David's um, behavior, right? Like that he's like fasting and, and mourning while the child's alive, and then when he dies, he just, it's like, oh, well, you know, get up, change my clothes, you know, wash my hair, get something to eat. Oh, you know, just move on, go, go fight some battles. Um, you know, and, and I, and I feel like that kind of almost, uh, just amplifies the kind of, uh, incredulous reaction we have to like how, how cold this seems. But I, I think that when you take the chapter as a whole, um, you, you really have to look at this as, you know, David's sin is going to have consequences and, Yet, by God's grace, he doesn't get uh, stripped of his throne. He doesn't just die on the spot. I mean, I mean we really—I I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's what's going on for me anyway, is it just—I I struggle with it. But when I step back and think about how much, really, David deserved, which was to, like, have his entire family wiped out, I, I think I can I can sort of hang on to the mercy. But I don't know. Like, what, what, how, is, how is this— uh, uh, I don't know, fit together for you or, or what, what are kind of some of the big things uh, that jump out for you? Well, when you're looking at, uh, whenever I look at a story in the Bible, I, I, I think I wonder, okay, where am I in this story? Like, where, where is God? What, what is God telling me? And uh, obviously, when Nathan tells the story, this, I think, to the reader, we we see this story, and it's obviously about David. Yeah. And um, same thing when Jesus is telling the story of the tenants to the Pharisees. It's just obviously yeah. about them. And their response, I thought, was really hilarious. Their response was the Pharisees. The Pharisees perceived that Jesus was talking about them, and you're like, right. duh. And and then, but then it's kind of bizarre. That so I wanted to get your take on how is it that David doesn't respond right away? He uh, he he he's, he's responds with anger at at this fictional character in this story, or maybe oh, yeah. he doesn't know he's fictional. But but I, I, I'm curious to to you. Yeah about that because like okay i can tell you what i think but I'm t- I yeah 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 what, what. I, I like i like that question right because yeah you know i i, I think mm-hmm. i think uh, a lot of people probably are wondering that right like hang on a second like david doesn't get this like right away um the thing is i'll say like i i think that this is hitting a nerve with david because um well you know it's <laughs> it's sort of like i think i've heard that like uh i don't know the the, the only people or, or like, I guess like the people who hate narcissists the most are like other narcissists or something like this, right? <laughs> right. Um, where, where I, I think, right. The, uh, the example, cause the example isn't very interesting, right? Like we need to not overlook it. Um, the story is about hospitality, right? Uh, there's a rich, there's a rich guy who he, he can't even be bothered to let go of like one of his many, many, uh, sheep, right. From his, you know, uh, mm-hmm. abundant flocks and instead he goes yeah. and takes it from the, the poor guy and i think that story um would have really gotten under david's skin we saw the episode 
with Nabal and Abigail, right? Like after, you know, cause, cause in that moment, David was the poor man, right? Um, you mm -hmm. know, he, he was on the run. He was effectively exiled by Saul. Um, he is, you know, he's just running around trying to survive. And, you know, after taking care of Nabal's, uh, flocks and shepherds, Nabal can't be bothered to give them food like on a, on a feast day or something like that. Right. And so he's, he's outraged at that. Um, there, and he, he almost just kills them all. Right. So that you can see his, his anger about that. And then there's a couple of other episodes too, I think throughout the story where, um, in, in first and second Samuel, where you just see like David, like the, the thought of someone, um, not having hospitality. Right. Um, I, I think that really gets under his skin and he identifies with the, with the poor man because of his life experience. You gotta remember he, he just, you know, was a shepherd from Bethlehem. Right. Um, so, mm -hmm. so, so he probably felt a lot of times in life, like he was the poor guy, right. And that the rich guy next door was taking advantage of him. So, I mean, I, I think it really just goes like right under his skin. It's a, it's a sore spot, a sore nerve. Um, but he doesn't realize that he has actually turned into the very thing that he has spent his life hating. And so sin never wants to be seen as sin. Sin wants to be seen as righteousness. So, so here he is having that guilt inside him, that deep, deep guilt. And so how does he deal with his guilt? He lashes out and points the finger at this, yeah. this man. Yeah. As the Lord lives, yeah, he deserves to die. That's the first yeah, no, thing that comes out of it. I think that's insightful, too. I mean, I think that we see that all the time, right? I mean, like, why is everyone so angry these days? You know, getting into our election cycle again, right? I mean, it's because, I mean, this is this is like the only thing we have in our, you know, new society, like, that kind of resembles atonement, right? Like, there's really no, like, forgiveness, right? There's there's no um, right. there's no real redemption. All there is is, like, being outraged. And so, like, if you're outraged at someone else's sin, it, it like, at the very least sort of, like, shifts the spotlight off of you. And if you're kind of outraged enough at, you know, the wrongdoings of others, then maybe that kind of builds up some kind of credit, I guess, so that you're kind of, like, back on the good side or something, right? But, yeah, I think that's very insightful that there is a kind of, like, a natural thing we have of just getting angry at other people as if nothing else like a diversion from our own wrongdoing yeah uh, that's, that's uh, something i see there definitely yeah 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 well let's take a look at uh, uh just you know, a minute left here um before our break but just a couple other things here at the beginning of the chapter so um you know so so we get this that um so, you know, David, he thinks he's gotten away with it, um, you know, after uh, Bathsheba's time of mourning. Um, she uh, She's brought to David, becomes another wife for him. But we see, you know, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And the very next thing, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. So, hey, I'm going to tell you that I'm, I'm not pleased with this. And I think it's fascinating um, that he comes to him with a story. Right, because uh, to to your point, I think if if uh, Nathan had just been like, "Hey, David, God saw what you did. Uh, we don't like that." Mm -hmm. um, I, I think he would have responded really defensively, been like, "Well, you know, I mean, it wasn't that bad, it, you know." Uh, and I think he would have gone defensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, isn't it isn't it interesting? I guess we'll have to talk about this after the break. It's practically time now. 
Um, but maybe when we get back, you can address this. Like, isn't it interesting how he starts with a story, right? Because I think when you, when you start with a story, people can be more honest in some ways, even if it is a fictitious story um, about yeah. sin. So like, talk about how, how story helps us see these things. Uh, when we get back, everybody taking a short break on Thy Strong, we're looking at Second Samuel 12 in just a minute. Jesus and His Life-Giving Word, and Friends Who Care. That's what you will find at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri. Come and experience for yourself the difference that Christ and His people can make in your life today. Sunday morning worship services are at 9 and 10.30. Follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Listen to His Word. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, 2211 Tenbrook Road, Arnold, Missouri. On the web at goodshepherdarnold.org. To the father with a $1.75 per hour minimum wage job in Guatemala, or for a mother combing through the rubble of their earthquake-stricken home in Chile, a Bible storybook for their children is an unimaginable luxury. Yet what child doesn't need to learn of Jesus in a language they can read and understand? You can help tell Spanish-speaking children everywhere about Jesus when you adopt the Lutheran Heritage Foundation's Juan 316 Mission Project, lhfmissions.org. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Oratio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa, looking at 2 Samuel chapter 12 today, joined by our guest, Pastor Mark Jasa at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California. If you've got a question for me and Pastor Jasa, give us a call if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. A couple questions sent in at the uh, top of the hour. Um, really, really kind of just looking at the the balance here, right? Uh, the interplay of uh, of you know grace and sin. Um, you know, hey, I, I think that one of the questions here is sort of like, hang on a second. You know, David was full of the Spirit and given grace, and you know, man after his uh, God's own heart. Like, how how did how did he fall? Um, you know, like this really. Um, and then another question here, uh, you know, it, so kind of just looking at the, you know, the, this anger and, and that, uh, in some ways mirroring maybe God's own anger at David. So, uh, the, the question being was, was David, um, supposed to die, um, because he could not restore fourfold, right? Because of the murder. Uh, yeah, some good questions there. Also, uh, you can join us on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Uh, question here about 
the uh, the mention of the wives, right? Like this is actually uh, one of these little verses that it's just kind of thrown in there, but you're kind of like, hang on a second, what? Um, it says there in verse eight, I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms. So kind of talking about that maybe a little bit. Yeah, those are some good questions, guys. Um, uh, before we turn to those and some others, I want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for supporting thy strong word. Um, all right, Pastor Jason, Mark, let's, uh, let, let's go back to that question we were looking at here at, uh, before the break. So, I, I mean, the story, right? I mean, to, to what you were asking, like um, the way that, you know, the Lord tells the story and the, and, and the, the Pharisees are like, okay, we know he's talking about us. Uh, <laughs> you know, so their, their guard's already up. But, but here, it's fascinating how, how Nathan uses a story to hold up a mirror to David, right? And can, in, in a way, get him to lead him to confession, right? Um, because if he hadn't used the story, I mean, would he have even confessed, right? Or would he have dug in his heels and have said, no, like what I did wasn't that bad. I'm the king. I'm justified, right? But by, by taking all that king stuff out of it and holding up this story, I, I mean, I, I feel like this is a way that God is mercifully leading David to repentance because it, it would have been very easy for him not to go the way of repentance here. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, also, okay. So I think it's interesting you said it because it, when we go to that that Matthew twenty one story uh, yeah. where, where Jesus is telling telling the story of the tenants, um, uh, he, he he says Jesus says, "Well, what, what will the owner of the vineyard when he comes? What will he do to those tenants?" And then they replied, "He will bring those wretches to a wretched end." So I think mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting that they clearly know what those tenants deserve, and and David clearly knows that not only does this guy deserve something bad, but then when Nathan reveals that he's the man, at that point he's got to know, wow, my sin is much worse than this guy that, yeah. that killed killed the lamb here. Yeah, so, no, I I think uh, that's just right. Like he he's gotta he's gotta he's gotta look at something else, right? It's just it's just like you were saying, right? We're so willing to lash out and be angry at and call out other people's sin, right? Um, but we're so unwilling to do that for ourselves. And so he he's gotta look at something external first, right? Um and then once he's there, then you can have this big turning the tables moment, right? Yeah, and as pastors, you know, we we are called to speak the word of law, the word of law to each other, and you know, and you to me, brother, you you speak the word of law to me, you convict me of my sins. Here's David, so full of himself, so unable to hear, unable to hear anyone, and so. Um, uh, Nathan is sent to him. And this kind of reminds me of a time when I was preaching and I preached and I I just threw out something about, you know, people watching sports on Sunday morning instead of going to church, you know, just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. And this guy comes up to me after church. He's like, you were talking about me. I'm like, I, I'm like, look, dude, I swear. I, I, I just threw that out there as like an example. I, I wasn't thinking about you personally, but, uh, 
Yeah, I know, no, no. Yeah, I know that it's a, yeah, I know it's a, there, there have been moments like that, um, where, you know, I've, uh, you know, used like an example, like in a sermon, because it's hard, right? Because the the other side of the story, right, is that Nathan, right, is not a sinless man either. And so here he is going and telling David, hey, you're that guy. Um, But then someone's going to turn around and be like, hey, Nathan, so when you told David, you're that guy, well, don't you know that you're that guy? Right. I mean, I mean, it's it's a challenging role being being the messenger, because I mean, I mean, I think today we we have this right, like especially too, where it's just like, hey, like who are you to tell me this, you know? And uh, look, look at yourself, right? And we and we do this 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 real like just ad hominem like you know personal attack thing where it's like I, I guess the only person who's qualified to you know to 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 like actually call someone out on what they've done wrong is like the son of God. Well, right. there's kind of some truth, kind of some truth to this, actually. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's it doesn't it doesn't actually diminish, right, uh, the truth of what of what Nathan's saying, even though like Nathan himself is like a, a sin, sinful human being, like like everybody else. But I mean, it is challenging that when you when you go and you use an illustration or you give an example, um, you know, we we because we are just flawed human beings, we we are even in those moments, kind of unwittingly giving ourselves a pass, right? We'll say like, you know, oh, you know, like watching sports on Sunday, but we do our own versions of it, right? Like yes. as, as as pastors and, <laughs> yes. and academics and as speakers and, you know, and it's like, we just don't even, we all have these blind spots, right? And so just like you're saying, like we, you know, we, we look at this as kind of like an exceptional moment of like, oh, well, this is like the, the prophet to the king. But uh, I mean, this is, this is why, um, Christians, this is what the Christian community needs, right? This is what you need between brothers because we all have blind spots. And if we're not helping each other see what's in these blind spots, then we are all just blind indeed. When I'm doing evangelism with atheists or Muslims, Buddhists, whatever, or, or even people who are in the church but don't understand the gospel, you know, I, I make it clear, look, I am a sinner and Jesus has forgiven me. And Jesus has forgiven you, too. So before I get to what Jesus has done for you or, or talking about you being a sinner, I make it clear to people, look, I'm a sinner. I have I have done what I know to be wrong. Yeah. So it makes, yeah, I think it makes the, you more credible when yeah. they see that you're, you're not just pointing the finger at them. You're pointing the finger at yourself. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that's really— it's it's a really good. I mean, it's a brilliant point, and I think it it speaks to why, in some ways, uh, Paul of Tarsus was such an effective evangelist, right? Because he had a story um, of how. I mean, like he said, like you know, I, chief of sinners, right? And when he said that, that wasn't something I, I think. Well, I mean, you know, maybe there's something. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of like hyperbole in, in the way he's talking, but I mean, like I think he really like felt and believed and knew. Like what a terrible sinner he was. He's like, hang on a second. This is the church of God, and I was dragging them off to be killed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm an enemy. I don't deserve to be alive right now. I don't deserve to have any hope of salvation. And I think that when 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 Paul would share this, he he sincerely believed what he was saying, and people people could tell that they they'd say to themselves, yeah. this is a guy who really. I, I mean, I mean, this is I think what getting to what Paul says about if I try to. Uh, build up what I myself have torn down. I show myself to be a, a lawbreaker, right? I mean, it's like Paul is going around preaching this gospel, which only proves how terrible he is because of the way he persecuted it. 
right? Like, w- so seeing that, I mean, like you were saying, it, 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 there's a there's a kind of credibility, and I think that that's that's God's mercy here. And if we lead with how God has forgiven us, despite our own sins, um, I, I think that that really just makes what we're saying so much more human to everyone else uh, that we're talking to. When I became a pastor, my brothers looked at me and they're like, you can't fool us. We know who you are. And I'm like, no, 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 you guys, this is, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor because I'm so good. I'm a pastor because I need forgiveness. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's exactly right. I mean, well, you know, like, and it's, it's, uh, you mentioned, you know, brothers, I mean, you know, the Lord's own brothers, right. Um, had a hard time accepting him until, uh, well, after, after Easter, right. Um, well, let, let's take a look at, uh, I, I mean, the, the, la- the last thing I want to say on, on this point was, uh, you know, just getting, getting back to how it, it's just so difficult, um, for people to respond with the openness, the vulnerability that says, wow, I have sinned, right, without just getting the defenses up. We saw earlier how when Michal, David's wife, right, his first wife, confronted him about his, you know, lewd behavior and with the big, you know, Ark of the Covenant uh, festival, right, um, how, what was his response, right? Like, whoa, hang on a second, you know, God chose me, not your father, mm. you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to do, I mean, it's dancing before the Lord, so it's all fair and I'll, I, I could do worse things. In fact, I will. And, you know, the other women are not going to have any problems with me. You know, I mean, like, and, and just the way he goes, it's so defensive, right? So, de- so defensive. Um, and, and, and so you see really, I mean, there, there is so much mercy in, in what God does here by sending Nathan to confront him in a way that David's g- going to actually be, like be confronted with and realize, oh man, uh, I, I really did mess up. Um, and something, Something you pointed out earlier is that unlike Matthew 21, where the Pharisees uh, reject, they, they know full well the history of Israel, and they know full well what they plan to do. So they know that this, this parable fits them to a T, yet they still reject Jesus. But here, once David sees his great sin, you have complete, uh, you have the confession. And confession so great that he even writes a song. You know, yep. he writes Psalm 51 about this. That's right. So against you, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Um, well, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's really well said. And I think it, you know, like, hey, we're Lutherans, right? But that doesn't mean that we have to be opposed to, like, people sharing testimony or their witness, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> those aren't, like, bad words. It's not, it's not a bad thing right. when people, uh, it, by, by way of, proclaiming the gospel right like start with how the gospel started with them i mean in fact in some ways i think mm-hmm. that's actually the fundamental problem that most people have um with because we, we, we talk about it in the abstract and like you know like on sundays like share the gospel share the good news right but if you can't first of all explain why the good news it has been good news for you i mean try you trying to tell somebody else Right, how it's supposed to be good news is basically impossible. I, I mean, I mean, I, I think I've, uh, and, I, and I think I can say that because um, you know, this is like as someone who, for a long time, struggled with trying to articulate how on earth is this good news, good news for me in the first place, right? And it's very easy, mm-hmm. you know, for kind of lifelong Lutherans to fall into that trap. But I mean, I, I think we have to take like a, 
a good hard look at ourselves and understand, you know, like you were saying, where, where that starts with us, first of all. And, and I think when we start there, it becomes much easier to, to tell people about, about the, you know, the good news and the gospel. Um, I do want to turn to these questions though. Um, so, so you have David saying in verse six, you know, Hey, this, this, this is, this is terrible. He deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold. Um, I'm guessing that he needs to restore the lamb fourfold and then die. <laughs> but I mean, so, um, so, you know, he pronounces, he pronounces the verdict, right. And then, and then, you know, Nathan, you know, flips, flips this on its head, right. Okay. This, this moment of confrontation here, um, there, here's, I think the two elements. So first Nathan's saying, Hey, look, haven't I made you the rich man? I've given you everything. Why do you have to take Uriah's wife? Um, and so one of the part of that's this verse eight. Now, hang on a second. What's this giving Saul's wives into his arms stuff? Um, and, and then the, uh, then the other part I think is understanding the, the verdict, the curse, the punishment that David does experience. But let's start with, um, let's start with what Nathan says in verse eight. So, you know, what, what is God saying about everything that he's done for David and everything he's given for David and even this giving of uh, Saul's wives to David? Uh, you know, I just saw this as um, God is providing any and everything that, that the, the representative of Israel could possibly want. He has lavished him like like the, like a son and just um, treating him like the king. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and this is contrasting to, with the, the fall of Saul, how Saul had it all and lost it all. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but, no, um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the direction you kind of want to think of, think of it that in terms of um you know the, the the word here too you know it says i i gave you um all these things right i gave i gave i gave um especially you know there in uh, verse eight you know into your arms right the, the hebrew idiom for for giving especially giving into your one's uh arms or one one's uh one's hand right um it's the language of permission um that that when when you go and you ask for permission in Hebrew, right? Like you, very, very commonly they use an idiom um, in biblical Hebrew of like you know like basically like you know give me that, uh, give me this into my hand or you know give me that I would do this. Mm, yeah. Um. So like I I think that like how you're explaining it, how you know God basically was granting David all these victories. You know David would go onto the battlefield and God would give the enemy right into his hand right like that, that kind of language there yeah. so i i think the idea is less like god i don't know like takes saul's wives like puts them in an envelope puts postage on it and says like here you go dave i want you to have these it's less like that and more like god has you know stood by and let david do what he set his mind to do and has allowed him to have victory and to carry away spoil and yeah, even to carry away Saul's wives. And th- that has less to do with God, like really wanting that for David. Cause I think it's clear that God doesn't actually want that for, for any man. Um, and, and just more that, you know, God has just been 
really in some ways um, indulging David and letting David go too far. Um, you know, he, he, he killed, you know, God struck down Uzzah, right. Um, for, for touching the Ark of the Covenant when really that was David's fault, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, McCall is the one who ends up suffering because of David's sin. Right. I, I mean, so God's been really, I mean, for some time now, just kind of like biting his lip, hasn't he? Yeah. And he, David is like, unable to see that he is he needs to repent so that's why he needs god has to send a servant to david to wake him up that's why nathan has to come and speak this word of law to pull him out of his own ego to pull him out of his own um he just he 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 sees his own greatness. He sees his wealth. He sees his power. He sees his fame. He looks at all of his his victories, and he's taking it upon himself rather than seeing this as a gift from God. He he sees everything as he 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 sees himself as a maybe a self made man here, and missing that it's all gift. Well, well, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, th th is, there's a certain kind of entitlement, right? I mean, you saw it with McCall, how he's like, hey, look, God chose me. Like, So I think that David knows that, hey, look, I was nothing and God took me and it's all because of God, right? But I, I think that David's mm -hmm. running with that now and he's saying like, oh, but well, I'm the Lord's anointed. So, I mean, of course I should get all this right. stuff now. Of course I should be victorious and get to take, you know, the spoils and the riches, the wives and all the rest. So, I mean, I, I, I think cool. there is a sense where you're right. Like he, he's, he's letting it go to his head right um and even though he's acknowledging like oh it, it's from god it's like his blank check from god right and and no, no one has a blank check from god right like it's you know this is like paul saying like so should we sin that grace may abound no not that not not at all right okay so let's look at the punishment then right so i, I think we can we can kind of um relate to this you know because because i think that christians we as christians do this thing ourselves all the time that we that we look at the world and we say you know like oh like you know the people out there they do such these terrible things right but god has like chosen us right and so of course you know we you know you, you feel you feel in the blank right you know with the ways that we kind of begin to feel entitled to you know uh feeling like we should like you know be, be happy or successful or or, or priv privileged in, you know, whatever ways, you know, that we, we should get certain rights and what whatever, what have you. Um, but let's look at the punishment, though. Okay, so it says here, you know, you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, taken his wife to be your wife, killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Thou, now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. Okay. Now what and this is this is like a curse, right? Like like what is what is this curse? Mm -hmm. Like what is this punishment? Does it fit the crime? It's the consequence. It's it's what happens through um through his his sin. Uh, you know, I it, mm -hmm. There is collateral damage. Um, we we already saw the collateral damage in uh, in the last chapter. You know, Uriah uh, Uriah dies, and 
uh, Joab is brought into sin and Bathsheba is dragged into sin. So we don't, you don't, no one sins in a vacuum. And when we sin, we're like a bull in a China shop and things get broken. Yep. And um, so I think we're just, uh, I think the picture I have is like uh, you have a, a lake that is completely flat and then you throw something into it and then the waves just go out away from, from the center. And so the, the, uh, the echoes of his yeah. sin continue to move out away from him <clears throat> through history. I, I, so not just yeah. around him, but. Yeah. The, 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 the ripples, the waves, I, I think that's a, that's a fantastic uh, set of illustrations there. And, and, um, you know, you mentioning that at the end, the collateral damage, right? We got to remember it wasn't even, it wasn't even just Uriah, right? Um, it was like back in, uh, Back in Second Samuel eleven, right? It, like, what was it here? It was, uh, you know, because, yeah, that's right. So, like, the messenger, right, is like giving the report, like what happened, and he's saying, you know, in verse twenty three of chapter eleven, um, the men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archer shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Right. So, I mean, it's like he, he made da- Joab do something that was just reckless and, and negligent. Right. And, and it cost the lives of many men on the battlefield. Yeah, they yeah. Didn't, none of those guys had to die. But David was I intent. That those, yeah. 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 But no, he, he was intent on the getting his soldiers, guy. Yeah. He wanted to get Uriah. Yeah, and yeah. so, like you said, there's there's collateral damage. And and I think this is this is a, a hard thing for us to wrap our heads around. But when 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 Nathan is saying um you know, hey, the, the sword's never going to depart from your house. Uh, I, this isn't, I think, God like reaching his hand into history and saying, okay, well, it was going to be this way, but now I'm going to tweak it to be extra mean. Like I'm turning up the, 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 the hard level, the difficulty level, right, from like, you know, five to 11. Uh, no, like I think the word you used, <laughs> consequence, is, is, is spot on. This is you know, God has already made the universe and he sustains the order he's made. This is like all the natural oh, fallout of what David has done. And, and yeah, it's it's a, it's the will of God in that sense, but this is not like some kind of extra special um, dispensation of, of judgment here. In fact, the only way that God does intervene is that David himself is not going to die, which I think really when you look at everything that's going on, mm-hmm. Uh, the natural consequence is that the sword should not depart from his house until it claims him. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, natural consequences. Uh, I, I remember um, a, a friend of mine and his girlfriend, he got her pregnant, and and we were asking, so what What did you think? Like, how come you—didn't you think you were going to get pregnant? And she said, well, no, we just didn't think God was going to bless our sins. <laughs> it's like, look, the world, God set the world up to work a certain way. And yeah. So there are just certain things that happen when, you know, do you know how babies come? You know, so it's like, this is, this, when you, when you act a certain way, yeah. do something, things, certain things follow. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's fascinating, right? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't think that God was going to bless our sin. I mean, that, that that sounds like, you know, I don't know, almost like, I mean, you know, I, I, I say this as one who's probably, unfortunately, said something similar with different situations, right? But, like, 
I think it's a way that we that we like almost test or taunt God, right? And we say like, oh God, if you're really so just, then you wouldn't do this, right? And, and it's like, you know, so what if I, you know, you go back to that China shop, right? So God, if I knock this over, mm. psh, right? What you gonna do? Right. I, I mean, and, and that's really when you think about it. I mean, it's it's the height of, uh, I mean, like arrogance. Um, so so okay, we we only have a couple of minutes left here, so uh, we, we'll we'll have to maybe talk about some of the other aspects. Maybe we'll have some time uh, next time. But okay, so w- what is this? And so it, it's the natural consequence that the child should die. I mean, does that does that seem right? I mean, it says the child gets sick. Um, I mean, so uh, what what do you make of this? Well, this is this is a story that points to the story. This is a son of David that points to the son of David. So you have what do we what do we see here? We see the sinner is not killed the sinner is forgiven and the one who is without sin the one who does not sin has to die and so this is the the paradigm we saw back in genesis chapter 3 uh where the the ones who are guilty are clothed with the uh with the one who is uh, sinless yeah. So that's that's I, the paradigm. I think so. And, and I think so here, I think that all that language um, in Exodus, right, about you know the claiming of the firstborn. This is the firstborn to David and Bathsheba, right? Like the first child they have together, and the natural consequence of their sin is that the the firstborn dies. But I mean that that's what they were saying uh, beautifully that this this son of David dies, and God mercifully accepts that as payment for his own life and spares David. What a way of pointing to Jesus Christ, the son of David, who saves David and all of us um, by God's mercy. So thank you so much, brother. Just a lot of things in here, but uh, very, very appropriate too for our times. God bless and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Everybody, Pastor Mark Jasa, Mount Olive, Pasadena, California. Till next time, I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission, in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.